The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Well, there is no denying it. Another tough loss for the Royals this afternoon. But another day where I'm still not concerned. This is Davo on your dish. Clubhouse conversation as KC drops a disappointing 2-1 game to Seattle. Making the Royals 0 for their last three after a 10-game winning streak. However, with that said, I look at things more in terms of series by series. And I don't think there's a Royals fan in the world that wouldn't have taken three out of four at Detroit. So to me, this is just a two-game losing streak. It's a lost series. That sucks. But the Royals do have to win tomorrow. We'll talk about this more here in a few minutes. They must win tomorrow. It's a must win tomorrow. We'll break that game down and talk about it. But going back to the last three games here, let's talk about that. The Royals have faced good pitching in the last three, no doubt. Legit good pitching. You had Anibal Sanchez, who's borderline great this year. You did okay against him. I mean, you worked him all right. The Royals had a chance to win that game a couple of times, namely the time that Noriaoki had runners at second, third, but two outs in the middle innings, couldn't get that base hit to give the Royals a lead there. But they had a chance in that game. They weren't awful. They worked his pitch count okay. Then you had Iwakuma who is definitely borderline great. They did good against him last night. Very good. Taxing him for five earned runs, getting him out after five plus. That was great last night. And today you had Chris Young, who's borderline good. He's probably just a solid number four major league starter, if we're being completely honest. But so in the last three, in those three games you've lost, I consider it two, but if you want to go back three, the Royals have faced a borderline great, a borderline gate, borderline great, and a borderline good-slash-average pitcher. So they have not faced bad pitching the last three days. And in the last three games, the Royals themselves have had two great games thrown by Jason Vargas and Danny Duffy, and one clunker in the middle by James Shields and Greg Holland. Just nothing to overly be nervous about. I mean, this is a long season. You're going to have stretches of three games. Oh, my gosh, where you don't score that many runs. You're going to have stretches of three games where, you know, you pitch well a couple of them, and one game that you do score, you don't pitch well. That just, and it happens. It's baseball. It's 162 games. It's such a small sample size. There's no reason to be upset after a 10-game winning streak. Many Royals fans are in full meltdown mode. We're well over 500 right now. Win tomorrow. We're fine. I'm not worried about that. Not yet. But let's go through this game before we preview tomorrow and talk about it being a must-win game. Let's start with Jason Vargas, who obviously deserved much better in this game. Now, if you look at his line, it's not that impressive unless you watch the game, which is why I like to watch games versus just reading box scores and looking at stats. Eight and two-thirds, two runs, both earned, 10 hits, no walks, two strikeouts. So, yeah, his whip was pretty good, just you know about one and a quarter. But the 10 hits and eight and two-thirds is not that impressive if you're just looking at it. From If you didn't watch the game, the two strikeouts is definitely not impressive if you didn't watch the game. The no walks is. So his line is... Good, but it's not It's not going to blow you away when you look at it. Unless you watch the game. Vargas was fantastic today. He had bad luck. Jason Vargas could have easily thrown a shutout today. No doubt. You had the easy, you know, BS, blooping, crack bat hits combined early in the game that gave the Mariners their first run. It just seemed like one of the softest runs you'll see. And then, of course, there's the inning and play that sticks out the most there in the top of the ninth when Ned Yost comes out. There's two outs to recap. Two outs, top of the ninth, one-to-one game. Kyle Seager has just doubled. Jason Vargas is nearing 105 pitches. So there's a runner at second with two outs. Most figured Vargas's day was done out there at the K today. We were cheering, and we figured that was it, probably. You know, with, 
with both Holland and Herrera warm in the bullpen. But Ned Yost left him in. Okay, I'm okay with that. I really am. To face Stefan Romero, and he did his job, Vargas did. Romero singled, quote-unquote, to second base. Now, here's the deal. Pedro Siriaco, I've been talking on this clubhouse conversation on our dishes here for few, like three or four weeks now how the Royals must go get a utility infielder, a competent utility infielder to improve this team. I've been saying it's one of their biggest needs, and it showed its ugly head there in the ninth. There was a, a ball that was kind of an in-between. It was a ball hit well to Siriaco at second, an in-between hop where he either should have came in or backed off. But it was just one of those things where it was a tough play. It's a hit because it's, you know, it's not a play that you can call routine, but it's also not really truly a hit. But that wasn't a routine play hit to, hit to, hit to Pedro Siriaco. It's a play that he has to make. He just has to make it. His bat is awful. He's only here for, quote-unquote, his defense. And we've, about three times now this year, seen less than stellar defense out of Pedro Siriaco out there at second base, and that's even in limited sample sizes. He has to make that play. The Royals should have been out of that inning one-to-one -one with a chance to win it there in the bottom of the ninth. The whole thing is different. Fernando Rodney is not coming into pitch there. Things could be different. The Royals may have won this game very easily in the bottom of the ninth there or when they got their bullpen in the tenth. They had, you know, they had Crow and Herrera and even Davis and Holland available if they needed them today. So they had plenty of arms available for extra innings, even if they wouldn't have scored on that ninth against a different Mariner reliever. Suriaco has to make that play, period. So Vargas did his job there. The run didn't score on that play, but that put runners at first and third with two outs. If it wasn't a lefty, I'm sure Yost would have taken out Vargas. I might have taken him out there first and third, two outs, you know, right at 110 pitches, but he, he left him in. Uh, again, I'm not going to crucify Yost for that. I understand it. I'm fine with it. Dustin Ackley, a good at bat. Vargas made some good pitches, lined a single on the right. Ball game as Kyle Seeger scores, making it two to one. The Rails end up getting out of that inning when Salvador Perez gunned out the runner at third. Actually, he didn't gun them out. It was a rundown that took way too long. It was like a seventh row rundown. <laughs> that was not one you'll see on, you know, the Tom Bernanski, Hermanski, what is that guy's name? It's his, his fundamental videotapes. That's not going to be on there. But the Royals did get out of that, just giving up one. So it's two to one. Again, Vargas could have easily thrown a shutout today. Hell of a game by Vargas. And I'm not going to question Ned Yost for that. But then the bottom of the ninth, a little bit more controversy took place. Minor controversy. Because had Eric Cosmer gotten a hit, nobody is opening their mouth right now. Let's go through it. One out after uh, Omar Infante struck out. Gerard Dyson comes up and walks against Fernando Rodney, who between last night and today just didn't seem real sharp. His command wasn't totally there. The Royals kind of let him off the hook last night, kind of let him off the hook today. It's a day game. It's hot. He threw 23 pitches last night. He comes in. He walks the second guy. You've got Eric Cosmer coming up. So you have to think. I, I sent out a tweet at that exact time. I said the Royals must send Gerard Dyson within three pitches. First pitch, you're probably not sending him because it could be a pitch out. Depending on the first pitch, you probably send him in the second pitch unless the first one was a strike. Maybe you wait till the third pitch. He's got to go in those first three pitches, and Eric Cosmer really needs to take at least two pitches there. You just saw a walk where the, the pitches to Dyson weren't particularly close. So instead of taking some pitches to allow Dyson to steal and get into scoring position, Hosmer swings at the first pitch. Instead of taking some pitches after a walk to get ahead in the count, possibly walk yourself, Hosmer swings at the first pitch. And instead of taking some pitches against a guy whose command has been off, Hosmer swings at the first pitch. We know what happened. Routine, room service, double play to second base. Ball game, 2-1. to one. Mariners. Again, there's no reason to panic. The Royals are not playing bad baseball right now. They had one bad starting pitching effort by James Shields. We wouldn't even be talking about this right now. You know, had he done his normal, and what the Royals expect, seven to eight innings of three-run ball or less, the Royals won that game last night. 
and we're fine right now. No one's even that nervous. But you know, somewhere else fans are panicking. I'm, I'm not even nervous at all. Now, if we lose tomorrow, that's a different story. Let's talk about tomorrow. It's a must-win game. Let's just be honest. If the Royals are going to you know, make the playoffs, they've got to win games like tomorrow. I will say that you can't win 10 in a row and then come home and get swept by Seattle, especially when you have the pitching edge in two of the three games. Friday was kind of a coin toss game. Today and tomorrow, the Royals have a clear advantage. So Donald Ventura has got to be good tomorrow, and the Royals have to score some runs like they did last time they faced Ruinas Elias, who's 6-5 and five with a 3-9-1, the lefty. The Royals got him for three earned runs in five innings back on 5-11. Escobar had a grand slam in that game, you might remember. So, you know, Elias is a guy the Royals can get to, and they need to. They, they, they have to win tomorrow. Royals must win tomorrow. You've got Wade Davis 100% tomorrow. You've got Greg Holland 100%. Crow and Herrera. You've got all four of your big guns. Bueno. All five of the guys you really trust are available tomorrow to your pen. Infante's back in there. Obviously, Perez will be in there because he has plenty of time with this being a day game to heal up. And you you could start Justin Maxwell tomorrow and right against the lefty. I would not. I'm putting my best defense and speed out there tomorrow. I'm putting Dyson and Kane out there. Dyson and center, Kane and right. I want my best defense because you've got to be airtight. And to this point this year, Maxwell hasn't proven anything offensively to me. He did have a knock today. That was good to see. Hit that ball hard past third base. But I'm going with Kane and Dyson tomorrow. I'm putting the best defensive team, the most athletic team I can on the field and making some things happen. So we'll see what they do. Playing Maxwell wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I will say one other thing. I haven't talked about this maybe at all this year, about the lineup. I do think it's time for Alex Gordon to hit third. And most people are saying, well, duh, it was time a month ago. I don't know, maybe. I mean, you, 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 you came into this season with Alex Gordon as your number five hitter. And a month ago, it was still early enough that it was still early. Then you started winning games the last two and a half, three weeks, playing better. Your offense started scoring runs. You're not going to move him then. Where he was you know, succeeding, Eric Hosmer even had you know, a few home runs there in a span of a couple of weeks. So, But Eric Hosmer, outside of a couple home runs, has been bad the last month. There's no arguing that. And Today it's it's you know today was kind of the first time to me where it became obvious that Gordon needs to hit third because you go to that ninth inning and I understand Hosmer was actually hitting second today so you would have had Gordon in the two hole as you flip flopped him but why would you not want Gordon getting that at bat right there and some people might say well you know he struck out last night in a key situation true enough but again it's a game of percentages you play the percentages and Alex Gordon for his career and this year gives you a better chance at producing you know in the number three spot typically today was the number two spot but I might it might be almost time to reshuffle things a little bit maybe get Lorenzo Kane a bit higher wouldn't he be the end of the world if they drop Hosmer to fifth or sixth I don't think it's not going to happen they're going to keep hitting him third I'm just saying I do agree with many Royals fans who say that now at the end of the day I also don't buy the batting order making that big of a difference I've read the studies I think Bill James did a really nice one where you know it, it, it's hard to even quantify if it really matters you can almost just draw it out of a hat a lot of people think I, I wouldn't go that far you want your on-base guys at the top, your your run-producing guys in the three, four spots, really. But it might be time to think about, especially with Aoki out. I mean, do you want to lead off Dyson? I don't know. I guess. I mean, he's solid, but you don't you don't have to have the fastest guy on the team leading off. I mean, it's not 1980 anymore. You could put Kane leading off if you wanted to. You could put Escobar leading off. You know, think out of the box here a little bit with Aoki out of there, who shouldn't be hitting leadoff anyways, probably because he's not producing this year, but. You know, and Infante, I suppose, could lead off, although he's not getting on base enough to justify it. So it, it, it is worth thinking about reshuffling them through six in the lineup. The way Kane's hitting, moving him up. The way Gordon's hitting, moving him up. You know, Escobar, 
you could justify moving him up. And I, I'm fully aware that when you move guys around, sometimes they don't perform. I know they put Escobar on the two hole and he did not do well at all this year. So we'll see. I, I, I'm not even. I'm just. I'm pointing out that I agree it's time to get Eric Gordon up and maybe flip flop him with Hosmer. I'm not saying they should overhaul the whole lineup. It's just something to think about, something to at least talk about. And I'm sure Ned and you know Wakamatsu and. Jershley, on and on, Swain, the whole Grafal, the whole coaching staff, Dayton, they're all talking about it. We'll see what happens, but again tomorrow, I'm calling this one a must-win, and we'll have it for you again here on Clubhouse Conversation, Davos Dish. Let's hope the Royals get the victory.